From the crossroads of America in the Hoosier state of Indiana, this is Get In, the podcast focused on the unfolding stories and extraordinary innovations happening right now in the heartland. On the show today is Katie Snyder, VP and Executive Creative Director of Cloud and Industry Marketing at Salesforce, and Courtney Bills, CEO at Tactive. You can have a great logo and a great design itself, but if you're not putting it out there in the right way, or you're not putting it out there on quality, relevant items, then you're not relevant. Courtney Bills is the CEO at Tactive, an Indianapolis-based tactile marketing company focused on helping marketers develop and deploy tactile marketing that delights audiences, drives leads, and delivers ROI. Katie Snyder is the VP and Executive Creative Director of Cloud and Industry Marketing at Global CRM Powerhouse Salesforce. And in today's show, we are going to cover why branding is so important to businesses, actionable strategies to build a strong employer brand, a strong brand, a strong marketing campaign, and the importance of marketing, no matter what the stage of your company is. Please help me welcome to the show today, Katie and Courtney. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is fun. We are really excited about this. So many things happening right now in the marketing landscape that I'm excited for us to be able to dive into. But first, I want to just get a little bit of background on each of you because you have such interesting stories. Um, And Katie, I wanted to start with you because you joined a really well-known company, at least well-known to me and the people in my industry in tech. You joined Exact Target, I think, right out of college. Is that right? More or less, yeah. Back before it was Salesforce, before it was acquired by Salesforce for 2.5 something billion dollars. Yeah. Yep. One of the biggest, if not the biggest exit in the state of Indiana, biggest tech exit at the time. How did you find Exact Target right out of college? I am so lucky. It's a luck story. It's not, it is not me being, it's more right place at the right time. Yeah, I was actually wanting to pursue agency kind of career for creatives, but I had friends and family that had worked into the tech space in Exact Target and I got recruited by Exact Target. I think someone f- found my portfolio or resume and they reached out. I had no idea what Exact Target did, but I was fascinated by their story, their vision, what their plan was to be really customer centric focused. And yeah, the rest is history. I started as a designer there and learned a lot about tech along the way. I knew nothing about tech at the time. And now I love it. I feel like it feels like something that should have always been a part of my career trajectory, but was absolutely not on my radar right out of school. Because prior to that, I'd only spent a little stint at Live Nation doing kind of music marketing things. So I was very far away from tech as far as like career pathing goes. Did you get connected through the Indiana internet? So that was one piece. I actually, I was on the board for, oops, sorry. I was on the board for Indiana Internet and I won the Intern of the Year Award with Exact Target, actually. So yes, that was part of the, yeah, part of the story too. I love that. I think Indiana Internet is now called the Work and Learn Indiana program. Um, You're right. For those who are looking for that. It's great. Um, It's a great program too. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. It's been around for a long time and really has plugged a lot of people into not just tech, but all kinds of industries. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tell me about what you do today. What does a creative director at a software company like Salesforce do? We do so many things. I'm thankful for asking. We really focus on looking at our product portfolio and how do we go to market for that product portfolio. So pretty much anything that you see touching 
any of our sales service marketing commerce platform product suite at Salesforce. I have creative directors and creative teams that are doing all the external marketing across digital experiences, events, direct mail or tactile marketing, end to end kind of showcasing the brand of that product suite. So cool. Yeah, so it's cool. fun. And I know there's a really interesting origin story about Courtney's company and and your own career. I'll, I'm just going to tease that here because we want to dive into that story here in just a minute. But yeah. Figured first we could talk to Courtney a little bit about what she does now today as CEO at Tactive. But first, I, I wanted to talk to you about how you first heard about Tactive because I know it wasn't through a CEO role no. initially. No. I was I had a cohort or a friend that was working there at the time and we had previously worked at my at another job together for about twelve years and I hadn't seen her in a while and their holiday party was at a bar across the street from my house. And she's very convenient. Yeah, the dugout. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a classic. <laughs> Square. Yes. Great. Yes. And so she called me and she said, Courtney, my my plus one has to stay home with our kids and will you please come out for a drink? I went over there and I met, first of all, they're like, who is this person that you brought as your plus one to her? And once I got there, I felt like I fit right in immediately. And after the entire event was over, maybe two days later, I sent her a message and I said, I just really appreciate that you invited me. You work with some great people. Like they really like each other and (laughs) they're fun and they're personable and they really welcomed me. And I just thank you for that. I'm happy for you in this in the role that you're in. And then she responded back and said, well, actually, (laughs) they liked you too. And at that time we were forming, I shouldn't say we print resources at the time, was forming a team to be able to support the Salesforce account because that was their largest account at the time. And I had about 13 years experience in, in promotional products and used to do some work heading the men's final four account with the NCAA, not for the NCAA, but that was one of my accounts. And so they thought, this girl can do that. I wonder if she'd be up for (laughs) sliding over here and helping us with the Salesforce account. So that's where I first came in was as a senior account manager. Senior account manager. Yes, senior account manager. Amazing. Both of you seem obviously have had a huge career trajectory going from more entry level earlier positions up to the highest ranks in both companies. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you think that you each did other than amazing work, obviously, to get you there? But what were some of those things that you think helped you along that own your own career path? Gosh, I think for me, it's being curious. I tell people, especially my newer employees, I'm like, I spent a full year, maybe six months to a year, just listening and being a sponge and taking it all in because you don't know what you don't know. And I think just like understanding the climate of what you're in and asking hard questions, asking questions that folks might not be asking that have been at a company for a multi-year, don't ask as frequently. So I feel like being curious, asking questions, being proactive, I think are killer things and follow your instincts too. If something feels like there's an opportunity to have a problem solved or something where there's a gap, like that's where I see people have the most success in their career ultimately. I agree with that a hundred percent and everything that, yeah, that Katie just said. And the other thing is I always go back and say, treat people the way you want to be treated. If you're a good person and you treat people well and whatever that trajectory is, it'll come back to you. And so yeah. that's coworkers, bosses, clients, vendors, all of that. And when you're genuine with other people, they genuinely want to see you succeed as well because 
they see that in you and they know that you're out for the best outcome of the group and not just yourself. And that for me is what helped me stair step up. And having a thought of abundance rather than scarcity. That was something that the, mm -hmm. our founders, Kurt and Tim, both have always said to me, Courtney, think about it as abundance. Don't be scared and make your plans and then succeed them. Don't make that. your plans and be afraid mm -hmm. that you're not going to succeed them. And that's what Tactive's been doing over the last five years that's really scaled up our growth is that thought of, we got this. Yeah. And we're going to keep going and we're going to keep growing and we're going to treat people right and we're going to treat our employees right and it's all going to come back full circle. I love that. I'm going to brag on you for a second, right? Yeah. So I think one thing that totally changed your career trajectory was saying yes. A friend or a previous coworker invites you to a Christmas or a holiday party to, hey, come across the street to the dugout and hang out with kind of a competitor. And, oh, and yeah. it's like, by saying yes <laughs> yeah. to that, you're now the CEO of that company. Yeah. Like just by, it started it's insane. by saying, yep. had you said, oh, I'm tired, I don't wanna go. Mm -hmm. I wanna watch a Christmas movie. Uh -huh. I wanna snuggle up under a blanket. Yep. You may not be where you are today yeah. if you said no. Or Two letters. I, or if I would have said, no, I'm afraid to go because what if someone sees me here and then it gets <laughs> back out that when really, yeah, exactly. It's saying yes, it's putting yourself out there and not being afraid to take that next chapter journey or experience. I love that. Well, I feel so like good. fear can stop growth in so many different scenarios. And in the case of Tactive, the owners, uh, I don't know if they were fearful or not. I would feel fearful of giving over the CEO title to someone other than myself at mm -hmm. my own company. I, I don't want to necessarily say that the founders of Tactive felt that way, but tell me about the time that the owners came to you and said, hey, we, mm -hmm. we want you to step up as CEO. Yeah, so they actually prepped me for it about eight or nine months ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And it was, they never had a CEO. It was just, it was Kurt and Tim, it was the two founders and they ran the business in the way that they felt best. Mm -hmm. And in order to scale up, we realized that we needed to set kind of set, set everybody up in, in an org chart and get ourselves ready for long-term growth. And so they had come to me and said, hey, would you ever consider being the CEO here? And what do you think about that? I literally <laughs> thought they were kidding. And I was like, are yeah. cranking me? Yeah. And I was like, absolutely. When do we start? When? And, and Tim, it was Tim. And he said, it's just something you just keep in the back of your mind. I'm not saying it's going to happen or anything, but as we're trying to look at the future of the company, we just wanted to see where your thoughts fall on that. And uh, it was never brought up again until my next review, nine or 10 months later. And they said, this is what we'd like to do. Do you want to think about it? Because it's a big undertaking not just for yourself but for your family yeah and it's a lot of time and it's time I love they know that I love that company like it's mine they said we want to be able to be scaled up and we think that you're the right leader we like the way you treat people the way you manage people the way that you treat the vendors the way you treat the clients and that's the image we want tactive to to have on that's an outside awesome. yeah so you're living out the core values they mm -hmm, saw mm -hmm. and they recognized the hard work that you were doing and what a career defining opportunity. It really was. And I was asked the question, what's one of your highlights of your career over time? And it was when the two people that founded a company said, hey, we're looking to make things bigger and we choose you. 
That's a career-defining moment Absolutely. right there. They could have just said, hey, it's going to be the two of us, and you all are going to listen to what we think needs to happen. But they didn't. They said, we want you to lead, and we want to hear your input, and we want to implement the things that you think need to happen. And that, for me, was probably the highest honor I've ever received in, in my career. That's well, amazing. And clearly yeah. changed the trajectory for Tattoo. Yeah. And there's a really cool origin story there between both of your companies. And Katie, I know you're really close to that. Do you mind telling us a little bit about some of the earlier times, even before Courtney was there? You, going, this is going back all the way to yeah. 2009-10 time frame. Yeah, you're right. I, was, I did not have the good fortune to be around at the origin of print resources with the partnership of Exact Target and print resources. That was already a strong partnership at the time that I came into the company. Back in the day, we were doing something that we called Big Deal Desk. So we were looking at our top accounts for Exact Target and how do we make sure that we cultivate a relationship with those top accounts across multi-touch points of the life cycle. If they have a personal moment that they're experiencing, if someone gets promoted, if they close a big deal, whatever that looks like, we were wanting opportunities to continue to cultivate and build that relationship. And tactile marketing happened to be one of the main levers we pulled. And I was just a designer at the time, where I think we were calling the my title creative developer. And we were like a creative service that was supporting sales function. Um, so it was my kind of 101 into sales and marketing and how those worlds intersect. But I it just talking about like with the startup mentality of Exact Target and also partnering with a company like Print Resources, I had a desk at print resources. <laughs> like so it was cool. like, it's just, I, at some point I was like, I feel like I'm an honorary employee for <laughs> Tim and Kurt and their crew. <laughs> Truly, we would have a moment and then I would go over and I'd buy all the things or I'd get the things that were printed from print resources and we would go assemble it and we put a little assembly line in their conference room. And <laughs> it was very much roll your sleeves up, very scrappy. But what I love about that story is it was just like very infancy of what it looks like to start an idea around this like big deal desk, right? And now people talk about like that kind of model as account-based marketing or ABM right. and the need for doing that at like a one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many scale. But we were just calling it something that we saw a need and a gap and hadn't really been established. Uh, and then what's cool about it too is that as we were acquired with from Salesforce, that was something that really didn't exist on the Salesforce side. They hadn't thought about mm. account-based marketing at the tactile marketing level. They had done like very small things, but nothing as like a whole program, multi-team. And we helped pilot what that looks like, what the team could look like, how we would target accounts, and Tactive at the t- that was Tactive at the time got to help partner that with us. So wow. that was great. Do you have any stories of the early days creating this tactile marketing experience for these these big deals where the feedback you received from a prospect after they received this this physical experience in the mail how do, do you have any good stories of of just prospects that really that resonated with yeah, I, yes, I feel like I'm going to have to take my brain back to the exact target days. The biggest, one of the biggest accounts that we touched through tactile marketing back in the day was our Gap account. It was easily by far and away the largest deal we ever closed on the exact target side. We did direct mail or tactile marketing. So there were times when we even did like a multi-week workshop of solutioning what that partnership would look like for exact target and gap. And we, and I did like tactile marketing deliveries for every single day Mm -hmm. that they would be in those meetings. So it would be like 
custom notepads or it would be like an interactive display that then had like a tactile marketing kind of companion piece that they could take with them at the end of that day in addition to direct mail. So there was multi kind of facet to the tactile marketing pieces that we touched, but they really talked endlessly about the investment and detail personalization that they got across the deal life cycle. That was ultimately one of the big things that helped close that deal. Of course, the technology and us (laughs) and the solutioning and all of that too. But absolutely, absolutely. But like those pieces, I think really helped push it over the line too. I guess we've been using the term tactile marketing, but Courtney, would you, for the listeners that might not know what tactile marketing is, you want to define that for them? Sure. Tactile marketing is anything that's a marketing piece that you can physically feel, touch, as opposed to digital marketing, which is out in the tech space in the cloud. But tactile marketing might be your a notebook, a pen, a direct mail piece that lands, a kit that lands on your front door that's got your company's logo on it, and you open it inside, and it's got a personalized message that says, Hi, Susie. I'm so glad that you came in last week. We really appreciate the partnership. Here's a little takeaway as a thanks for the work that we do together, and there might be personalized items inside of it. And it just makes, it's something that they can physically feel and touch and hold that puts a tangible item behind sometimes this digital world that we live in. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like these glassboard mugs. We got some tactile yeah, on screen. Exactly. Go. A quick break from our normal programming. I have Erica Schweier, COO from Elevate Ventures here in the studio today. Erica, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you're going to tell us a little bit about this Rally Innovation Conference that's coming up. Yep. So it's the largest cross-sector innovation conference in the world. We're going to feature six innovation studios. So think hard tech, software, sports tech, ag and food, healthcare, and entrepreneurship is going to kind of be our catch-all. I love that. So tell me what is, who's it for? Yeah, it's for innovators, entrepreneurs, investors, honestly, anybody probably listening to this podcast. And it's going to be a multi-day thing that's happening in downtown Indianapolis. Yep. People coming in from all over the country and maybe even all over the world to be here. That's our hope. Yep. And the dates are actually August 29th to the 31st. Perfect. And if people want to find out more information about speakers, tickets, things like that, where can they go? Yeah. So they just go to rallyinnovation.com and sign up for communications. They can also get their tickets. I love it. You heard it here, rallyinnovation.com. We'll, we'll see, see you there. there. How did you see tactile marketing take off during the pandemic? Uh, so put, through the pandemic, we saw it take off in the work from home. Everybody left their buildings and then everything went digital. And so meetings that used to happen in place, events or in-person events that happened in person were now being held just behind computer screens. And so there's these budgets that people have to give a great experience at an event. Now people are at home. So how do you give them an experience other than click join here? So you create a package and you invite them or you thank them and or you give them all the materials that they're going to need that they would have received at the event on site. You give them to them ahead of time and a personalized letter saying, hey, sometimes it's I know this is tough and I'm hoping that this is what this will help you get through this next seminar or whatever you're going through and delivering that to their doorstep, giving them those materials as well as a marketing piece, thanking them a gift, a corporate gift, that kind of thing. And that was a big shift, not just for what we saw with our clients, but the industry that we're in as well. And the the cool thing is I always say, we've been kidding since before kidding was cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so we've been doing direct mail kits like this for years. So Tactive was already set up to be able to flourish through a pivot that Mm -hmm. was happening in the industry. And we saw a lot of the other companies that do what we do start dabbling in it. And then it became much more popular. But yeah, that's 
between that and what was really neat about Salesforce, and I don't know if people know this, but some of the budgets that they had when those events got canceled, they took those funds and they turned them into relief projects. So there were frontline workers that were sent, for instance, hair ties, Starbucks gift cards, something that they could make at home with their kids, anything. They took that money and instead of just setting it aside for something else, they gave it back to the frontline workers and they used us for that as well to help gather all those goods, kit them up and send them out to these hospitals across the U.S. Same time when the hurricanes hit, we did a really large hurricane relief project where once again they had some funds and they we collected diapers and batteries and flashlights and all of this product and shipped it out to hurricane relief. So that was another big thing for us to be able to get through the pandemic on top of the direct mail that we were also sending out. But I don't know if people know that side of Salesforce with how much they gave back to the frontline workers and like the hurricane relief. That's important to know. Yeah, I loved that stuff too. And we always try to be really values forward, but I feel like a lot of us felt a little rudderless during the pandemic. What do we do? How do we make an impact? What kind of things can we do to move the needle? And that felt like it gave us purpose collectively. Like how can we invest something so that the marketing feels meaningful and not just for the sake of it? And even when it was more a marketing true tactic to an account or a client, we were making it really geared towards their family. So we did a lot of decorate your cookies with your kids, bring your kids into a moment because we knew people were all at home and their families were at home. And so how can we position what we're asking them to do just for their careers, but be inclusive of just what their life looked like in that moment in time too. It was really important too that they used their some of their clients' product. Yeah. So they were also yep. investing back into their clients that might have seen a dip mm. in sales. They're like, yeah. okay, let's buy their product and put it to send it out. So not only were they helping employ our team, like we didn't have to furlough anybody. We were able to allow people to stay at home and there were five or seven of us that were going crazy, making all this stuff happen (laughs) in the office very safely. But they kept a business here in Indianapolis alive and thriving as well as their clients. American Eagle, I believe we did a large sweatpants campaign, their clients, and then the frontline workers. So it really was a give back on multiple levels. It seems like brand collaborations like that are such great opportunities to build relationship. Um, And you see it even in in subtle ways in a lot of different industries. But I'm curious, Katie, if there are other brand collaborations you've really enjoyed doing, whether that was through Dreamforce or through email campaigns or even things like webinars, those kinds of brand collaborations, I feel like, just open a huge opportunity for a lot of people and a lot of businesses. Yeah, I think we have been talking, Salesforce is saying they're a customer company for a while. And what we mean by that is we really want to be focused on who our customers are, what their stories are, and make it not really about us, but what it is about each of them and how they have found success with it, with our technology, but also like in their own right, what their journey and story is. So anytime we can do that and talk about them and not us, that's always our move because we just think that's a more compelling story anyhow. So I have countless, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I can, it is. Recently, we've been really highlighting our partnership with Crocs. They have a really strong sustainability story. They're very cool with the kids now. I don't know if y'all know this, but they're like coming back. Oh, yeah. And I will admit that I was slightly a skeptic from a fashion perspective. (laughs) I was like, are they cool? I don't know. And now they have completely won me over with their mission, their values. And they're just such a fun brand, too. I I think that's hilarious. Like, Crocs went from being, like, the shoe that, like, 
dads mowed the lawn. Yes. Uh-huh. So like now all the kids want to like rock the crowd and the little like the gibbets. The gibbets. They're so cool. Yes. And we did the custom yep. gibbets, and I my team's it. gonna laugh when they hear this because yes, the custom gibbets. I was like, I'm all about the gibbets. We need a custom <laughs> gibbet for everything. Yes. It's so good. Their brand is awesome, and they're comfortable, and they give back, and they're sustainable. So it's like win-win across the board. Well, another thing that's making a comeback right now is experiential marketing, events marketing. And I know with Dreamforce being just one of the largest, if not the largest, industry conference in marketing technology, being a place where at least a lot of other businesses, it's their number one sales channel. And I imagine it does close a lot of business for Dreamforce. What was that like during the pandemic when all of a sudden people couldn't meet up in person and join at a conference? And how did you make those pivots? Oh, it was so hard. Yeah, <laughs> Dreamforce was tough. It's also, I think, a little emotional for Salesforce employees. And I'm like OG with my exact target in Salesforce time. I've been there for 14 years. Yeah. To not do a Dreamforce feels really impactful to us. Okay, what does that mean? What does it look like? But we were also launching our Salesforce Plus suite and like looking to get into kind of episodic content. How do we do more storytelling that is repeatable and has a higher frequency? And so... It was really looking at what does that motion of ta- of giving people content in a visual way, but then I think companioning like the whole end-to-end experience like Courtney was talking about, like we were sending kits of this is your like view from home kit. Let's send some blankets. Let's send our VTO in a box. Like what, how we want you in our VTO is volunteer time off. So like your give back moment, you can do that in your house, what that looks like for you. Trying to emulate like some of the things that folks love about Dreamforce, but in your home and also then like online too and pairing that physical and digital experience together. We learned a lot. There are things that I'm like, gosh, I would have done that differently or, oh, this was a disaster, but then we did this. And we also have another proprietary event called Connections that's more for our B2C audience. And we did show format and then similarly also did direct mail on the front end and on the back end for folks to have the prep for them to watch the show and like the format of how we did the creative for the show. But then also what were the kind of deliverables and takeaways and how could they action that with their team after the fact too? One of the things I think is interesting about the culture of Salesforce is that it still moves like a startup in a lot of ways. Yep. And a lot of times people think that, oh, failing only happens at startups. Uh, But you mentioned a couple of things that maybe didn't go as well as you thought. But I imagine there were some insights that came out of that and things that you learned that made the experience better over time. Do you have an example that you'd be willing to share just to tell people, hey, failure does happen, but it's the mining that failure? Yeah, we absolutely still try to have a startup mentality and that will that serves us well almost all the time, but also can nip us in the butt because of how the scale of our company and how many sure. people we're trying to get to do the same thing or move in the same direction. So it's always that double-edged coin for us. I think on the Dreamforce side, some of the tech infrastructure stuff was harder for us to figure out. We had never, with Salesforce Plus, we'd never done anything with streaming. And we had always done what we called Salesforce Live, where we would do like live broadcast of all of our events, but making them on demand, the tech infrastructure to set that up and the way that we would like, it was hard, (laughs) a lot harder than we thought it would be. And also something that, we had to do right. We had to plan months and months in advance, not like 
three months. And sometimes we'll give ourselves a very short runway to see a really big action or success. And I think that was a lesson learned. It's like we need to have what are the quick wins, like things that we can be very agile and move very quickly and have the motions for launches or roadmap moments that follow that trajectory. But then what are those long-term scale planning projects and that fits a different timeline. Mm-hmm. Know to do those kind of in parallel versus trying to fit everything in the truncated timeline. And so we're getting better. I think we have <laughs> still a lot to learn. But that was something that came out of that. Okay, trying to do things fast does not always mean that's the right way to yeah. do it too. Yeah. yeah. And that's, it's just nice to hear that it's not only startups or smaller companies that are failing along the way. And it's cool to hear that you're still moving like a startup, even though it's Fortune 500 company. Yeah. And thinking about the Dreamforce experience, I imagine Tactive was pretty impacted mm-hmm. by that as well, considering that you're making these view from home kits, the VTO kits. Mm-hmm. What were some of those things that your team learned and adapted to on that side of the fulfillment, design, all of the things that go into it? So the great thing is that Salesforce has a great internal team, creative team that works on those particular projects. And I feel a little too to Ashley Davis because I just love her design work. <laughs> but they created what was called Dreamforce to You, is what they called it. And cool. DF to You is what we always had our stuff written up as. And for us, where it was difficult was it became a large push in a short period of time with limited staff. <laughs> and so we were, like she said, roll your sleeves up, everybody's coming in and we're building these kits and my husband came in and (laughs) the owners came in and people's partners came in. My son was in at one point, don't worry, he's old enough, but (laughs) actually bagging the American Eagle sweatpants. Nice. I love it. Yeah, so we had to call in on all of our resources at that point and because it was new for them, they didn't know, is this going to be do we need 2,000 of these or do we need 3,000? Do we need 7,000? Do we need 11,000? And every day the number kept jumping and the time period kept getting smaller <laughs> and smaller. <laughs> and in this kind of Amazon world where I think people are used to just snapping their fingers and something shows up on their doorstep the next day, when you're creating something from scratch, you have to remember there's an entire production team behind that. And there's physical work that has to be done to make these things come alive. And so we also had our own failures at that point sure. in time, stuff that we had committed to that we thought, we, yeah, we can get this done for you in time. And then when the time came, um, it took a lot more labor hours than we ever expected it. And as those numbers continued to increase, we would have to come back and say, I know this is what you really want, but we're out of time. Like the daylight savings is done here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and can you bear with us? And Salesforce was extremely generous to sit And and they did, and it's in a good way. They pushed back and they said, no, this is really important. We can't change this, but we can give you some grace on this. And um, we had our own internal failures that hopefully you don't let people see, as Kurt says, how the sausage was made. But in the end, the goal was to get their name in front of their customers that were bringing Dreamforce to them or a Dreamforce follow-up as a thank you so that it represents their, Mm -hmm. and the quality is at the level that they deserve. Yeah. And I think a lot of people with with tactile marketing, they maybe just think, oh, branded t-shirt or oh, branded mm-hmm. mug. Those things are tactile marketing. But the way that Tactive does that, to your point, is of a certain quality. And I have one of the kits here that I'd love to just bring on camera. And for those who are just listening, I'll be as descriptive as I possibly can, as I possibly can. <laughs> What I've got here is one of Tactive's branded kits. It says, greetings from Tactive, and there's a die cut Tactive 
it's not the logo, but it's tactive, all caps in front, and you can see through. So when you open the box, and the whole box feels like something that you would take on vacation with you, which is really cool. And then as you unfold it, you literally are getting branded messaging. So you see the back of a bus driving down a road on the first kind of fold. This is not your Amazon Prime box. No. (laughs) Has the Marvelous Mrs. Mabel advertising (laughs) on it. This is something that is all branded towards Mm -hmm. a company. And so a Salesforce version of this would have all of Salesforce's branding, their their messaging. This one with tactics says, bring your brand to, and in parentheses, life. Mm -hmm. Something you can touch. Exactly. And then when you open the box, it's so cool because you literally have the back of the van, but it's a letter that's from the Tactive team that has all of your messaging in it. And then within it, everything's branded like a road trip. It is. Yeah. So I love that. Tell me about the process that goes through the internal team side sure. as you think about how do we design this? How do we get a USA roadmap and tips to add in this? And it's a journey road trip logbook in here. And you've even got a, a camera. A camera. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Instamatic camera. This is so cool. Um, This is so cool. And then, and then of course you have t-shirts and keychains and sunglasses and snacks and gummy bears. I I love it. Gummy bears were a big theme on our last podcast episode we recorded. Very nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So we wanted our clients, this was an internal uh, send that we sent out at the beginning of the year to let our customers know, A, we appreciate you and B, come on a journey with us, with your brand, and we're going to show you all the things we can do for you. So the really cool thing about that box, which I'm imagining people might not realize, part of the, let me go back, part of the reason that Tactive rebranded was because we were print resources and it pigeonholed us into just being a printing company. Yeah. When at that time we were doing printing promotional products, direct mail, these what we call 3D DM kits, and we kept being told, oh, I didn't know you did that. I didn't know you do that. I didn't know you do that. And so we hired an agency and did a bunch of discovery and rebranded as Tactive. And what's cool about Tactive is it's not really a word because that was the trend at the time. Like <laughs> nobody's name, no company names, especially in the tech industry, which is where the most and most of our clients are words that are actual words. So we were like, cool, tactile and active, Tactive. That's where that, that yes. came together. But if you, when you open that box, you'll see that there's a journal that's in there that was printed on, on our presses in-house. Everything that's in there except one of the maps, we used a partner to help us with one of the maps because it's so big, was, presented, was printed, made in-house, and designed. And so our marketing team internally, Robin Lanning and her team, came up with the entire feel behind the kit itself and said, let me take you on a journey through Tactive. And so you can see there's, we screen print in-house now. That's a new, uh, a new category for us to, after an acquisition that we've brought in, we're trying to bring as much production in-house as we possibly can so that we can have control over it for when those time periods continue to get smaller. We can actually say, hey, yeah, let's run a second shift. We're doing this. We're not relying. But the box was printed in-house the, on our large Fuji print and cut on our Zund. And then the rep letter was printed in-house. The assembly team put the entire kit together. The t-shirt was screen printed in-house. The, like I said, the road trip map, the stickers, all of that was produced in-house. The keychain was not because that's more of an attribute to our promotional products portion of the company. And then we wanted to appeal to people's senses and everybody likes snacks. Yeah, absolutely. And yes. And so what could you take on a road trip? Albany's is an Indiana-based company, so we're always looking to include. <laughs> Love that. We literally talked about That's... Albany's on the We had to check their bellies for A's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're made here. It's true. Yeah. 
And we wanted people to see that, hey, especially on that large map. Now, like I said, that's, that wasn't made in-house. We, we, but it was something we wanted to do, and that's what we tell our customers. If you want to do it, even if we're not the producers, we have plenty of trade partners here because sure. there's plenty of work to go around in Indianapolis and in the Midwest that we have really great relationships. We don't compete against, we work with. Yeah. And so we used a, excuse me, a printer here in, in town to print that huge roadmap. However, all the design work was done in-house by our marketing team. And, and that was going to be my next question is, yeah. why is design so important when you're talking about brand, when you're talking about marketing? And I know I'm talking to a design-centric CEO and someone who started <laughs> their career as a designer or a, what was it, design developer? Creative developer. Creative developer. Creative developer. Yeah. Tells you exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm just curious what your take is on design and the importance of that in bringing a brand to life. You, go. you want me to go? Yeah, you go. I'll go. Okay. Yeah, I'll so, be your hype woman. Okay. I'll go next. <laughs> great. So you can have a great logo and a great design itself, but if you're not putting it out there in the right way or you're not putting it out there on quality, relevant items then you're not relevant kind of what we find and i don't mean that in a rude way by any means but some people have amazing logos behind there or design teams that help them come up with this concept of this is your brand but if you don't do anything with it or if you decide to always go with how much can i get for the least amount of money Mm. that's an extension of yourself your brand is yourself putting out there in a tangible way especially when you're doing it through a physical marketing piece just as much as it's important to have a creative element in your email campaigns and your ad campaigns and television spots and all of that, you have to be just as creative with the physical things that you give people. If you hand somebody something that's going to fall apart in two days, they're going to think you're going to fall apart. Yeah. Oh. Like yeah. really, or that they, they're not worth maybe. And not everybody has massive budgets, but when you get the right people, they can show you how to maximize and get you the most that you can out of the money that you have and drive you down that that path so that when somebody comes and sees you, they say, oh, wow, like you give them something, maybe it's a, a mug, for instance, you give them something and it's, and they'll, they know you're a startup, they know you don't have tons and tons of money, but instead of buying 100 mugs at $2 a piece that are gonna break in two days, you're giving, you're buying 50 mugs at Ten dollar, five dollar, ten dollar piece. Sorry, I lost my math on that. And giving something more quality that shows you're more quality. Like it's more intentional that way. Yeah. I think the intentional word is key. Like one of the values I have my team talk about for everything that we make is intentional innovation. Creatives have this tendency to like, I just want to make the thing because it's so cool and it looks awesome. But if it's not intentional and it's not reinforcing the brand, then what are we doing? And so with everything that we're sending, a brand is like the sum of the conversations had about that brand, right? And so tactile marketing can really help with that. And if you're not reinforcing the story or the intent of the send with the gifts that are included, the caliber and the quality of the printing and the gifts and all of those things, then it is that representation of your brand. And to Courtney's point, that can not always mirror with what you're intending. So I think conceptual storytelling is key and we start there with everything that we make what is the story we're telling how do we be intentional about every single intersection point with that unboxing experience how does it connect physical to digital like we have some checklist questions that we always ask because otherwise people can equate it with just oh i'm just going to send a stress ball and like something on a piece of paper and i think there in the past tactile marketing has had a potentially bad rap because right. people get a lot of tactile marketing. So you really have to be able to stand out in that space. And I think that we've really been able to do that in this partnership. 
Yeah, I love that. I'd love to dive just a little bit deeper there real quick. Let's marketing leaders that are listening out there that maybe more on like, they don't think through tactile marketing, they think through swag. Like maybe they're just right. like, we have stuff that's branded. Yeah. What are like first steps that a marketing leader can take to shift from where we have swag to we have a tactile marketing experience that they could put into action in the next week, month, quarter? Yeah, I think you need both. Like everyone needs the swag too, right? And you're going to need your swag store or you're going to have to take it to events or however you're getting your brand out there. So that's part of it too. I think it does have to start with what's the, what is your brand promise? Like you got to go more of the strategy level. If your promise is all around for Salesforce, it's all about the customer. So like any story we tell always has to be about the customer Mm -hmm. first. And we take that approach with everything we deliver, which like when Courtney was talking about us using American Eagle or Starbucks, or like we're putting our customer first in those experiences and trying to in every moment. I would recommend that marketers are thinking about their brand promise for their company. What's the swag that emulates that brand promise? And then what are tactile experiences that will help reinforce that brand promise across every single touch point that they would like to have, whether that's an investor or a prospect or a customer, so that when someone thinks about their brands, they're thinking about that brand promise and it can be reinforced towards that like unaided awareness. Outside of your own company brands, who are some of your favorite brands and why? What is it that their brand does and the way they activate their brand that resonates with you? No wrong answers here. Oh my gosh, I need to think. That's such a good question. Okay. You Patagonia. Go. Patagonia. It's a good one. Has a amazing give back. They are all about the environment, the sustainability, their footprint here on the world. And what's really cool is they went from everybody, the fad of Patagonia, everyone just wanted it because it was mm-hmm. super cool. But when you really like deeply dive into what their company is about, you'll see that it's about sustainability and it's about leaving as small of a footprint as we, we can this worth in a negative way footprint. footprint. But they, they pulled out of the corporate markets for a while because they didn't like the fact that if somebody had a Patagonia jacket on, per se, and it had a corporate logo on it, and then they moved on to another job, that they would just get rid of that jacket. Mm-hmm. They want people to keep things that they buy. They might be a little bit more expensive to start, but they want you to keep it for a long time. It's the longevity behind it. And they'll fix it. Yes. I sent my Patagonia jacket in over the over last fall to get ready for winter, and it came back like there was a little hole in it, and they stitched it all up, and yes. it came back, and it was like five bucks. Yes. Like, Great. Easy. Yeah. Amazing. Last yeah. jacket I'll ever need. Yep. And so they pulled out of the corporate markets, I mean, allowing them to be branded for that reason, that they found that people were just discarding the goods. And they're like, that's not what we stand for. That's not what we don't want that to happen. And they just recently came back out now and said, hey, we've found a way to remove corporate logos. We found a way so that you, the rest of you can still have a Patagonia brand with your logo on it. We can remove it if you don't want to have it on there in the end and then send it back to you and keep the longevity of the piece going, allowing it to come back into the corporate markets. Because I'm pretty sure they probably got a lot of feedback from companies that were like, <laughs> I'm sure. Because no! yeah. they do have a really good story and people do want to be aligned with them. So when they put their mm-hmm. logo on something, they want it to be intentional once again. Yeah, I think and that's it, a key piece right before we go on to the next one. How you just said they want, companies want their brand to be aligned with Patagonia. And talking through, just like we talked about like cheap, 
breaks in two days. That's what you're aligning your brand with, right. with these physical products. Like, I think that that's something to really think about for marketing leaders is you might spend that extra money to align yourself with a brand like Patagonia. Even if you're a small company, like you can be aligned with a awesome B Corp like Patagonia by using their promotional products in your tactile marketing initiatives. I think Patagonia too, just to love on Patagonia a little bit more, (laughs) their brand is also their employer brand, just like any company. Their brand is their employer brand. It's how people perceive them as a good place to work. And the founder's book is literally called Let My People Go Surfing. And that is part of their culture as well, is it's, it's not all about business. It's actually about life first. And I think that's just a great example too of how an overall brand of sustainability extends into your messaging to your team, to potential recruits, who you want to have come align with your business and your values. Not to keep piling on the Patagonia love, (laughs) but but to keep piling up. We also love Patagonia at Salesforce. I love them personally, but we're really big on talking about what Cyber Week looks like and talking about how Salesforce's data can help with extending all of the retail and holiday season and what that looks like all year round. But what I think is super awesome about Patagonia is they have like actively pulled out of like Cyber Monday and Black Friday. Like they don't just don't participate. They don't give deals. They just don't get into the hype. And I think that's such a commemorable, it's just such a noteworthy thing to do, right? Because they don't need to. And it makes such an impact, I think, to focus on family, focus on the values that are, that they care about and they're showing it in their marketing tactics. And I'm, I haven't seen their numbers, but I'm sure it does not, it's not impacting them in a negative way. They're not going out of business. I think they're doing just fine. And I think it then reinforces why people want to be interacting or intersecting with their brand. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have another brand crush? I love Cotopaxi too. Mm. They're so good. They like create things from all of their reusable materials. No one piece looks the same because they are pulling from all of those reusable materials. And I have had, I try to squeeze that into any of our tactile. (laughs) Marty Courtney is smiling because she knows. I'm like, oh, we should use Cotopaxi for (laughs) this or this. And I just think that they are really memorable brands. They are sustainable brands. They align with our values. So they have a really similar, I have a similar love for them as I do Patagonia. Yeah, and it's like each of their pieces are like slightly different. Yeah. Exactly. It's all made yeah. through the scrap material. Yes. I went to the Cotopaxi store out in Salt Lake and was just like, whoa. Every it's different so cool. It's all different, like what you can get. It's awesome. And they're, it's a vibrant brand. It's yeah. just, yes, it's just a fun, fun brand with a great mission too. Absolutely. I love that. Those are two great brands. It is now time for my favorite part of the show. And it's time for the lightning round. Oh my gosh. Oh. So I have three questions to ask each of you. But it's quick hitters, right? So it's as quick as you can answer what the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. So Courtney, we're going to start with you. Okay. So is it same questions? Yeah, same question. So why don't we do it? Go <laughs> Courtney first on this one, yes, and okay. Katie first on the okay, next. Yeah. Oh, we're yeah. gonna keep it fair. We'll keep yeah, one, gotta keep it two, fair. Two. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. great. All right, that's a good call. All right, so Courtney, outside of the amazing entrepreneurial ecosystem, what is Indiana known for? Racing. Racing. This is. <laughs> we're not. We're still a couple days out of May, but it is. Yeah. It is yeah. racing. I love that. All right. Katie, what about you? Who's your hospitality? Ooh, mm, I love that one. That's good. Okay. Katie, back yeah. to you. Okay. What is a hidden gem in Indiana? Oh, 
my gosh, that's such a hard question. I think our state parks, maybe they're not hidden. I don't know. I feel our like state parks are great. Our money. Yes. There's so many of them. There's though. so many of them and I have not hit them all. So, yeah, and it's on my it. list. It's like, I'm hyper-focused. My family. Yeah. I love Turkey Run. Mm, Turkey yes. Run's yeah. Turkey. Brown County. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Me yeah. Too. All right. Great love answer. It. Courtney, what about you? That was a really good answer. Yeah. Was it? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Oh, oh, okay. I got it. So in Indianapolis, if anyone doesn't know this, we have Next to Washington, D.C., the largest number of monuments yeah. around in downtown. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of really cool um, Capitol buildings and monuments all over Indianapolis, second to Washington, Wow, D. I did not know that. Yeah. that that's great. Uh, favorite monument? <laughs> just, <laughs> no, we don't have to dive into that one. I'm just kidding. Hard question. Yes. <laughs> you know, okay. Hard to pick just one. Yeah, they're all great. <laughs> so okay. Courtney. Who is someone that we need to keep on our radar? Someone who is doing something big. Oh, my. My husband. I love it. (laughs) Yes. He is a local artist here in Indianapolis, and he's been featured in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. He's up on the walls up there. He was in in the IMS artist last year, so you can find his artwork around the what, Motor Speedway. What's his name? J.D. Bills. J.D. Bills. Yes. And what kind of art? Is it 2D, 3D? It is murals and like painting. He also teaches at Ivy Tech. But yeah, he's, he's, somebody once told me like, man, he's everywhere now. So I would watch out for him from, yes. from the, art, the art world out there. He's pretty awesome, and we just keep seeing him pop up. He's doing a launch with Modelo right now, and... <sighs> It's all just based on his own physical drawing versus nothing wrong with graphic design by any means, but he does it all by hand. That's Very awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Leslie Bailey, I think, is somebody to watch. Yes. If someone already said that, you guys are She's thinking. Been on the show. Of course she has. That's a great answer, though. I love her. So for those who are listening and haven't listened to that episode, go check out Leslie's episode of Get In. It is a great She's amazing. She Andy, Maven, Andy Maven's oh, amazing. Yeah. So yeah. go check yeah. out what she's doing with Andy Maven. And Maven space is in the old Salesforce space. It is. Space. I know. No, I have no ties. or Yeah, like, there's no Salesforce ties. No, I, know, I, just, I know. I was just admi- calling that out. No, it, it is in our Gibson, in the Gibson space. And she's amazing and doing a lot of amazing things for women in Indy. I love that. Totally yeah. great answer. Thank you both so much for being on the show today and sharing so much about your own backstories, the stories of both Tactive and Salesforce, and giving us a little bit of look under the hood of marketing and how marketing is working today and how it's going to continue to work in the future. We're really lucky to have both of you here in Indiana and just as marketers doing great marketing. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. This has been Get In, a Powder Kick production in partnership with Elevate Ventures. And we want to hear from you. If you have suggestions for a guest or a segment, reach out to Matt or Nate on LinkedIn or on email. To discover top tier tech companies outside of Silicon Valley in hubs like Indiana, check out our newsletter at powderkeg.com slash newsletter. And to apply for membership to the Powder Keg executive community, check out powderkeg.com slash premium. We'll catch you next time and next week as we continue to help the world get in. Since you just listened to this podcast, you might be thinking about starting one for your company. Lucky for you, our partners over at Casted have you covered. Casted is the first and only podcast and video marketing platform made specifically for B2B brands. I love this about them. The platform makes it possible to publish, syndicate, amplify, and measure the value of your podcast and video content. 
In fact, we use it for our podcast here at Powder Keg. And if you're a startup, you should listen up because Casted for Startups is definitely for you. They are offering exclusive deep discounts of up to 82% off retail price for qualifying startups. Connect with Casted at casted.us slash powderkeg.